Hello, and welcome to this edition of Wait a Week Mystery. I'm your host and author, J.C. Bodden. In this week's podcast, I'll be sharing with you the next chapter from my novel, Someone to Watch Over Me. If you like what you hear and can't wait a week for the next installment, Someone to Watch Over Me, as well as the other three books in the Devlin O'Quinn series, is available in both Kindle and paperback format from Amazon. You can check out my website, jcbodden.com, for more information and the link to my Amazon page. Now, let's not wait any longer. Here we go with episode 134, Someone to Watch Over Me, chapter 34, Trust Your Instincts. Jenny's Story Wagner led us out the lobby door and around to his patrol car in the parking lot. He opened the back door and motioned to us. Have a seat, ladies. It's cool out. Samantha climbed in first, then me. He closed the door and got in the front, behind the steering wheel. I was surprised when he started the engine. Wagner, what are you doing? I thought we were going to call my dad. He didn't answer. What's going on? Samantha asked. Wagner pulled out of the parking lot through the rear exit and turned the car away from campus toward town. Hey, come on. We're going to call Jenny's dad, right? She looked at me and tugged my arm. Are we going to the police station? Wagner continued to drive away from campus through town and then to the highway. We begged and pleaded and finally demanded to know what was going on, but he never answered or even acknowledged us in any way. We banged on the wire partition between the seats, and I even tried to open the door at the stoplight. But of course the back doors of squad cars have no inside handles. After we had been driving for about 15 minutes, it dawned on me where we were headed. The feeling of dread that had been gathering in my stomach ever since Samantha and I climbed the stairs to the attic intensified. We're going to Twin Oaks? Wagner finally looked at me in the rearview mirror. Joe stayed out here for a while, you know. Samantha spoke, her voice shaky. What's Twin Oaks? What's he talking about? What's this place? Is this where your dad is, Jenny? Shut up, Wagner shouted. Just shut up, will you? God, woman, you are really starting to piss me off. I took Samantha's hand and we held each other like best friends as Wagner sped down the road. After a minute or two, he spoke again. Yeah, well, like I was saying... That freak boyfriend of yours stayed out here after his mother got herself killed. He stayed with your aunt and uncle, Jenny. What does that make him? Some sort of foster cousin or something? How very incestuous of you two. He looked at me in the mirror again. His face twisted beyond recognition. What do you have to say for yourself? Hmm, Jenny? I, I, I don't know. What do you want me to say? Wagner smashed on the brakes and fishtailed to a sudden stop on the gravel road, throwing us forward into the partition. He turned around to face us and spoke again, this time with eerie calm. Twin Oaks Farm is a residential treatment facility for troubled children and teens who have nowhere else to live, he quoted. In other words, Samantha, freaks like Joe, who have no family and no one to take care of them, get sent here by the state because they are so pitiful that no one else wants them. And Jenny here, well, her aunt and uncle work here and take care of the pathetic little brats. That about cover it, Jenny? Yeah, that covers it. But it doesn't explain why we're here. Wagner laughed and turned around. The car jumped forward as he sped down the road again. Over his shoulder said, So I can finish what I started. I pushed down the rising wave of panic, desperate to talk our way out of this. Wagner, come on, you know... Joe's not my boyfriend. You are. I was trying to make you jealous tonight. Come on, please, come on. The bile rose in my throat, making it burn. 
Wagner started laughing, a little at first, and then louder and louder. After a moment or two, he was laughing hysterically. He looked over his shoulder at me, slowing the car as we came to a turn. That's hilarious, bitch. On so many levels, that's hilarious. He was still chuckling as he pulled the car off the main road of the farm, down the winding track toward the lake. At the bottom of the hill, he pulled the car around to the side of the long boathouse, where all the canoes and other gear had been stowed for the winter. He got out, opened the boathouse door, and then unholstered his gun. He yanked open the car door on Samantha's side and motioned with his gun for us to get out. We stood side by side, trembling. He pointed, and we walked into the boathouse, the car's headlights throwing our shadows over the rows of overturned wooden boats on either side of the narrow walkway. The pitched roof of the building was supported by a series of wooden posts, which were covered with pegs holding bright orange life jackets in all sizes. The air was damp and musty, and I felt my throat begin to close again. Wagner indicated one of the wooden posts with his free hand. Sit down, he barked. Once we had obeyed, he roughly kicked our legs out straight. He handcuffed us to each other, back to back, on either side of the post. Then he got a roll of duct tape and spent several minutes taping our ankles and wrists, running the tape around the post between us. Then he removed the handcuffs. He hung the rest of the tape from an empty peg just above my head. Did you know that the university buys a particular brand of this tape to use in its maintenance department? Of course, that's what we have here. He stepped back, aiming his gun at us. I closed my eyes and waited. A moment or two passed and I heard a small click. I looked up. Wagner was leaning against a canoe, his gun back in its holster. Don't you want me to tell you the story? He said calmly, almost as if he was asking about a book he had just read. I mean, you begged for it the whole way over here, and now you don't want to know? Okay, Wagner, tell us. We're listening. My voice shook, but I couldn't help it. It didn't matter. He wasn't really thinking about me. I think you're going to like it. Here goes. It all started with Amy. She wasn't attacked because she looked like you, even though I managed to convince you and everyone else that she was. No, Amy Dearest had to go. She was mine, and she told me we were going to be together forever. But then she changed her mind, I guess, and broke up with me. She thought she could leave, just like that. Well, I showed her, didn't I? She's left, all right. Left for good. Wagner snorted a rude laugh and then lit a cigarette. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me start at the beginning. Remember your picture in the campus newspaper when you took the job as resident advisor at Willow Hall, Jenny? I was so surprised how much you look like Amy that I went to check it out. Samantha interrupted Wagner's monologue. You bastard! I knew it was you that night looking for Jenny, hanging around the dorm. You bastard! Wagner glanced at Samantha and took a slow drag on his cigarette before cutting his eyes dismissively back to me. That's when I started thinking. I knew, at least, that I could use the similarity to throw suspicion off me when I took care of Amy. And boy, did I hit the jackpot when Joe showed up. He was the perfect patsy to pin everything on. I set it all up so it would look like he was doing things around the dorm. The missing clothes and stuff, the water heaters, the brick from his front walk through the window, your name on the doors, all the things in the attic, and of course, Amy. She was supposed to die that night, you know. I can't believe she didn't. 
Well, that's just like Amy, God rest her soul, to screw around and not do what I wanted her to. Still, it wasn't too hard to finish the job tonight. It's amazing what a pillow over the face can do when somebody's that doped up on painkillers. By the way, I want to thank you, Jenny, for that lame talent show. It was the perfect opportunity for me to slip out and tie up that loose end. Wagner rolled his eyes and spat on the floor. Did you know that Joe and I went to the same elementary school? He was a freak then, and he's a freak now. It was almost too easy to set him up for this. Hell, anyone could tell by the way he moons all over you that he's head over heels gaga for you. God, it's sick. And you didn't even notice for the longest time. Shit, you were distracted by the Wagner charm, at least until tonight. God, how could you let that freak kiss you? Yeah, I saw the whole thing through my little peephole. His face was flushed, and he took a couple more drags on his cigarette to calm himself. So, anyway, like I was saying, it wasn't hard to set up Joey Boy as a stalker murderer. He certainly fits the profile. Typical foster kid, socially awkward, neglected, isolated, forgotten. All those bleeding heart, panty-waist liberals seem to think that a tough childhood automatically makes you into a sociopath or something. He smiled with a dreamy, self-satisfied look, and I started to shake so badly I had to clamp my jaws together to keep my teeth from clattering. Did you have a tough childhood, Wagner? I managed to choke out. It seemed important to keep him talking, even if what he was saying was turning my stomach. He looked at me sharply, then his face relaxed back into its dreamlike state. Well, we were poor, I will say that. But that's not important, as long as you've got a strong father in your life that loves you enough to discipline you and keep you on the straight and narrow. You want to know the best part? I unclenched my teeth just long enough to answer. Sure. What was the best part? I got to keep my eye on y'all the whole time. For the first time since he started talking, he looked closely at Samantha. You, darling, don't just wash in the shower, do you? You are by far and away my favorite to watch. Oh, yeah, the best, he nodded emphatically. Samantha groaned softly and then leaned her head as far away from her body as she was able and vomited on the dirt floor. I pulled my arms, testing the strength of the tape. All I managed to do was jerk the binding tighter. He was watching me, watching my struggle, and the twisted smile on his face turned my stomach. I forced myself to be still. My only regret is that I don't have a video of your face when you saw Joe's blood-stained work shirt, Jenny. That look was priceless. Absolutely priceless. Wagner, you're sick. You need help. I can make sure you get it. Just let us go and... I'm not sick. I'm smart. You won't get away with this. My dad's going to figure it out. I know your daddy's little girl, Jenny, but he'll never figure this out. He's not exactly Sherlock Holmes, you know, he sneered. I don't know whether it was the flippant comment or the accompanying sneer, but suddenly the fear turned into rage. You bastard! I struggled to get up, twisting my hands and kicking my legs, the tape pulling tighter and biting into my skin, no longer able to see or hear in my fury. I don't know how long I fought against my restraints, but when I had exhausted myself, Wagner was still leaning casually against the canoe. Okay, well, now, if you'll excuse me, I've got a few other things to take care of. He murmured casually as he ripped off two pieces of tape and roughly slapped it into place over our mouths. Y'all sit tight. This'll be over soon. Oh, and don't worry. He stubbed out his cigarette and put the butt in his breast pocket. 
The next time you see me, I'll have Daddy Dearest and Pretty-Eyed Joe with me. Joe's Story He dreamed of his long-dead mother. In the beginning, it was pleasant, a memory of a summer day when she had been off work and nearly sober. They were flying a kite in the park. The dark clouds gathered on the horizon, and soon the storm was upon them. His mother urged him to hurry, and he tried his best to keep up, but she was too far ahead, and he was caught in the fury of dark wind and rain. He called to her, but he was lost and alone. He woke, sitting upright with a start and rubbing his eyes. It was nearly dawn. He looked around, confused by his location. Then he remembered Jenny's apartment. In the gray light, he could see that her cell phone and keys were gone. The bedroom door closed. He stood up and scratched his head, looking for his cap. Then he noticed a note on the coffee table in front of him. He picked it up and held it towards the first light of dawn coming through the window. Joe, I see you're as tired as I am. Good night. I'll see you tomorrow. Love, Jenny. He stared at it a long time, something in the back of his mind trying to nudge him, but he was too groggy with sleep, and too crazy in love, to think about it. He smiled softly, folded the note, and put it in his front shirt pocket. He picked up his toolbox and closed the door to the apartment gently as he left, making sure it was locked. He dropped the van off at the maintenance building, walked back to his apartment, peeled off his clothes, and fell into bed. The smile never left his face. That concludes this week's chapter of Someone to Watch Over Me. Thank you for listening. To find out what happens next, please come back for episode 135 of Wait a Week Mystery, or visit jcbodden.com to order the book. Either way, I hope your wait is a happy one.